As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. High in the air, Brito back at the wall, adios, Pelota! That's the type of manager that I'd like to be, which is the same every day. They know what they're going to get. They're going to get energy. They're going to get accountability. They're going to get structure, and they're going to get support. And I'm going to bring those things to the dugout in the clubhouse regularly. It takes hard work, uh, and it takes humility, taking one step forward at a time, making one good baseball move after another. And I really feel like that's how we're going to get where we hope and intend to go. You're listening to Bags and Brisby on Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to episode 192 of the Bags and Brisby podcast. I am Grant Brisby. I'm here with Andy Baggerly. And Andy, Kevin Gossman pitched 192 innings last year. Nobody cares about that right now because we get to have a talk about the Giants doing good things. We Maybe we should just like reverse last episode and just play it from the beginning and like reverse it and see if that is constitutes a full podcast for this one. Yeah, the last episode was actually um, a very, very involved uh, farce. It was uh, us being very much just joking the entire time, not being serious. The reverse of everything is true. Dogs and cats living together. Mass insanity. Uh, yeah. So, so yeah, the Giants obviously, they, they could have been nine and a half games out in the NL West wow. and pretty much buried because you don't, you don't catch the Los Angeles Dodgers when you're basically 10 games behind them. That just isn't going to happen. They could have been nine and a half games out if they'd gotten swept and they looked like a team that was about to get swept. And instead, they did the sweeping and they're three and a half out. And, and uh, it's a very different world we wake up in today. When I was figuring out what to write yesterday, I went back to that Thursday game and I used the word nincompoop a lot because the Giants played like nincompoops right before uh, our podcast. And it was hard to do a podcast when the the team you're you're focused on analyzing just is not playing not just good baseball. They were playing some of the worst baseball I'd ever seen, at least in these brief bursts. That fourth inning was just some of the worst baseball I've ever seen. And to go from that to beating not just a good team, but the Dodgers of all teams in three straight games. I mean, listen, maybe they had a few things go their way. Maybe there were some, the the Dodgers left a billion runners in scoring position. You can't count on that every time. But they looked like the Giants that were expecting to contend for the division the whole time. And it only takes three games, but you look at that team and go, yes, I get it. I get what they're trying to do. And it sure looks like it works there. 
Yeah, and I, part of the reason it worked is the Dodgers clearly are not playing their best baseball right now either. I mean, Dave Roberts was calling out the team and, and saying, you know, this is not who we are. And and then he kind of walked back some of his comments uh, after uh, the game. And you wonder if maybe he got a little talking to from the people in his own clubhouse. Um, there, there's definitely a little bit of disharmony going on there. And now they've got Walker Bueller uh, on the shelf for, for maybe a couple of months. Uh, they just got Clayton Kershaw back, but he only was able to give him four innings. And, and we'll see just what kind of impact he can make going forward. Julio Urias is putting up really good numbers, but quietly there's some people around the team saying that he doesn't quite have the same stuff. Although, you know, he, he looked pretty darn good against the, the Giants aside from giving up two homers. Um, but yeah, the, the, the Dodgers are, are not going to leave a runner on base every single inning and 14 overall and and not and lose a lot of, of baseball games that way. You just can't count on that. But it, sometimes it's not about who you play, but when you catch him. And I think the Giants, frankly, caught the Dodgers at the right time. And, and the Dodgers might have come in at the right time for the Giants because I think they play better. I think that their focus is sharper. I think that they kind of, it allowed them to snap out of it. They know they have to be at their best to beat a team like the Dodgers, and and they were. And, you know, I even sort of phrased that question to Gabe Kapler, which is, Gabe Kapler just does not play with those questions. He He's like, well, that's a nice story for you. That's a nice narrative for you, I guess. But I just look at everything <laughs> the same. He's so boring that way. Come on, Gabe, come on. <laughs> Fill my narrative. But I, I, I do think that is a narrative that, that holds up. I do think that, that this team maybe needed the Dodgers to come in to, to kind of snap them out of it, uh, share style uh, in Moonstruck. So it ended up being a really productive weekend. Yeah, I could see both ways. I could see you don't make the major leagues if you have lapses of concentration that extend. And and if you are the type of personality who looks at the Rockies coming into Oracle Park and thinks, oh, you know what, we got this, we got this. Well, you probably aren't in the big leagues in the first place. At the same time, how do you not, after getting waxed, or not waxed by the Rockies, but uh, you, you lose an embarrassing game, an embarrassing series to the Rockies, how do you not have a little bit extra resolve when the Dodgers come in? How do you not just say, Okay, reset, take a breath, let's let's be the team that we know we can be. I just I, it's human nature, but it also just seems so obvious. I mean, like I get why Kapler has to say, listen, we can't focus on that, but I think you're 100% right. You look at where the Giants are, though, and, and you wonder, I really don't know. Is this their dead cat bounce? Is this going to be the high point of their season? Or is this going to be, you know, the sort of the series that gets them on the right track to winning, you know, 95-plus games and being an easy playoff team again? I really don't know because you look at Sunday's game and, you know, Carlos Rodon was the pitcher that they wanted him to be. They got great work out of the bullpen, great work from the bullpen all series. And I think it's closer to being the bullpen that it was last season. So we know that's a team strength. But they got solo homers from Austin Slater and Mikey Stremski, and this position player core is beat up. I mean, Kurt Casale had to catch all nine innings with, uh, you know, basically a bad hamstring that was so bad that he had to bunt for because he couldn't, you know, run down the line in the fourth inning of the, of a game on Saturday. And they couldn't take him out because Austin wins, the AAA catcher that they got for depth, had to DH, and he was already in the game, and he had to DH because Evan Longoria wasn't playable, Tommy Lastella's barely playable, Lamont Wade Jr.'s about to go out and start a rehab assignment, and nope, nope, his hamstring tightened up. Brandon Belt is still doing agility drills. It just is amazing how it's it's bailing wire holding this position player core together and basically the only two healthy really good players that they have are the guys who made the difference in the series and that would be you know Luis Gonzalez, Austin Slater and, and Mike Yastrzemski. And it's fascinating when you look at what the Giants, why they struggled in May and why they they maybe don't have the, the top of the division standing that they did last year at this time. 
It's not the position players. And, you know, you just recited a list of problems that they're having, legitimate problems with the personnel and, and staying healthy. And yet the Giants are still scoring runs. And it is not when you look at what the Giants are doing wrong. It is, you know, the bullpen didn't have a great month. Uh, the rotation has been a little bit shakier than maybe they'd like. And the defense has been a problem. But the Giants have, they've scored. I mean, they didn't score a lot of runs last week. They had a, a rough series against the Rockies. The Dodgers always pitch them tough. But I'm not necessarily worried about where they're going to get their runs as much as how they're going to prevent their runs. That's one of the most encouraging things about the Dodgers series is that they prevented you know the runs that they were supposed to prevent. Honestly, it's like you said, they've found a way to score runs consistently. They're still scoring five runs a game. They're like third in the major leagues, which is, you know, just totally something you don't really, it's cognitive dissonance in a way, because you don't think of this as being, you know, one of the best offenses in baseball, especially because of who the names are on, in the lineup and the names who've been missing from that lineup. So it really is remarkable that they've kept it up. For me, it's, it's about just how they can fill out, you know, the lineup card and, and put players at spots where they can, you know, be defensively competent. I mean, that that's honestly the biggest difference between this team and last year's team is that they're not converting as many balls into play into outs. You know, the injuries and in, in, is leading to a lack of range that they didn't already have. And so, you know, there's still a lot of problems they have to work through. And it's only June, you know. it's These two teams exhausted each other last year to the point where the Dodgers had nothing left for the Atlanta Braves uh, in the NLCS. And the Giants already, to some extent, look kind of exhausted. And it'll be interesting to see how they bounce back against uh, you know, a pretty challenged uh, Kansas City Royals team, but still has some, some good young players. If they end up looking exhausted against those Royals, or if they come out and they're kind of buoyed by what they did over the weekend. When Austin Slater went on the IL, my reaction was something along the lines of, ah, oh, man, that, that kind of stings. And then I resumed thinking about something different. And now that he's back and he's hitting well, he's filling his role, he is uh, hitting against lefties, he's hitting for power against lefties, but also defensively, what he allows to do with the Giants and their outfield alignment, I think having Slater back is huge and much a much bigger deal than I gave it credit for. That combined with Mike Yastrzemski hitting against lefties and righties alike, I think those two components of the Giants lineup it helps them offensively, but it also helps them so much defensively where you just have to hide one corner outfield, outfielder. And I think that's just a, a big deal right now. And Steven Duggar has not been a part of the equation, too. And he obviously is a, a really good defensive outfielder as well. I mean, he's uh, he's probably their best defensive outfielder. And and they traded Mauricio Dubon, who was looking like a really good defensive outfielder. Um, so, you know, when they had Slater on the IL, Duggar on the IL, no Dubon, then I think it was really pretty apparent that the outfield defense was costing him a lot of runs. And you can look at the flip side. And um, you know, even a Cody Bellinger, when he hasn't been you know, an MVP-type player uh, with the bat and really been a struggle for him, uh, what he does for them, the Dodgers defensively, is so valuable. And then you pair him with Mookie Betts, who's so good in right field. Those guys take away so many hits. I mean, they, they're, they're, they really are so valuable with the defense that they provide in the outfield. And the Giants, they don't really have analogs to uh, Bellinger and Mookie Betts, obviously. But, you know, so they have some pretty good defenders in the outfield, and, and they're missing all three of them. And I think that showed up for, for a long time. And, um, you know, obviously there's no getting Dubon back at this point, but Duggar is on a rehab assignment. And I'm not sure how they're going to fold him back in when they still have to fold Wade back in. And Luis Gonzalez has done nothing to deserve getting sent down. But yeah, it's it's made a big difference, I think, to have all those guys out at one time. 
I'm not a minor league maven, so I can't look at the Giants roster in Eugene and say, you know, this is the guy, this is the best defensive center fielder that they have in the system. But I don't see anyone on the horizon who could even plausibly come up to help the Giants in that arena. So it's going to be what they have now, which is Slater, Yastrzemski, eventually Duggar, Elliot Ramos, if he decides to stick. I, I just don't think that they're going to get outfield defense. That's just not how this team is built. There is no, I don't think there's a midseason trade, a trade deadline acquisition that could help them in that arena. I think this is it. But with Slater and Yastrzemski, it almost seems like, yeah, they could probably make that work. I think that this is just enough. It's like when they had Pagan and Michael Morris out there, where they had Gregor Blanco, they would have just enough outfield defense to to work in a, a few situations. You didn't mention Travis Ishikawa's outfield defense? <laughs> I'm getting rusty, Pat, man. I'm Pat getting old. Earl's outfield defense? Aubrey Huff's outfield defense? Xavier Nady? I mean, that's a deep wow. cut. Wow. That's a yeah. very deep cut. Yeah. Very deep cut. I don't think that this team is going to be you know, defensively above average at nearly any position, but they just have to make more of the plays and get a little luckier than they've been too. I mean, when Tyler Rogers gave up a that choppy single on the third base line the other day, I thought, oh, here we go again. But, you know, <laughs> then he got a line out to first base. So maybe the universe does sort of even itself out. One arena where the Giants are looking pretty darn strong is in the rotation. And it's, I don't know how long that's going to continue with Jacob Junis having hamstring issues, but Rodon looks pretty darn good. Logan Webb looks like he's rediscovered his stuff. Not that it was that far gone. Sam Long looked pretty darn fantastic. I know he's not an official member of the rotation. The Giants are also scrambling without Alex Cobb, without Disclafani, but the rotation, they seem to get good starts more often than not. And that's a huge huge reason why they're even within sniffing distance of the Dodgers and Padres. Yeah, I mean, the, the Dodgers, in theory, will get Danny Duffy at some point, and, and Dustin May is still a ways away, but, you know, he's supposed to return at some point this season. But they're probably a little more worried about their rotation, I think, than than the Giants uh, would be about theirs. Because, you know, Alex Cobb is he's through a bullpen the other day. He's on track to come back in Pittsburgh. They're still going to have to deal with Jacob Junis' uh, start day uh, on Wednesday against the Royals, the homestand finale, after Junis uh, had a grade two hamstring strain in his last start, which is just a bummer for him. He's was pitching so well, and 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 his slider usage had had uh, uh, he sort of embraced that what the front office, the coaching staff asked him to do, and and that slider was really a great pitch for him, and he'd been very very effective. And I think uh, you know is he still the B war leader on this team? I mean, Rodon might have passed him, but but yeah, so you know they're going to have to make up for his spot, but you know the hamstring strain might be something that keeps him out a month, and then he'll be back. Cobb is coming back in Pittsburgh, and then they won't need a fifth starter until the 21st, and that happens to be the exact day that Discofani will be eligible to come off the 60-day injured list. Uh, He had a good uh, first start for Sacramento, rehab start the other day, three innings uh, that were relatively clean, and he'll probably be stretched out to about five innings in his next one, and then he'll be exactly on turn to come back on the 21st. So the Giants just need to kind of scramble for one more start, and Sam Long looks like he could definitely be the guy to take that down. And then, you know, they're, they're going to start getting some people back. So that's uh, that's a positive. Yeah. What you were referring to is on baseballreference.com uh, on the Giants, the 2022 Giants page. Uh, they have the top 10 players, headshots of them listed by B-War at the top of the page. And right there on the left, number one, Jacob Junis. The hamstring was, just, I, I did feel for the guy because he's waited a long time for this. But he does not, that does not seem to be a mirage. And when I brought up Kevin Gossman at the beginning of the podcast, I was tempted to go into, you know, those thoughts of, gosh, if only the Giants had Kevin Gossman. But if they had Gossman, I don't think Junis gets his shot. 
And this does not seem like a mirage as far as he's limiting. He's got excellent command. He's keeping the ball in the ballpark more than he has in the past. He's missing bats. And it's all with that slider, slider, slider. You you almost know it's coming. And it's become one of those magic pitches. You know, Saras has him at the top of his stuff plus and command plus metrics. I can't wait to see him back to see if he can keep it going because that's one of the best stories of the Giants season so far. Yeah, 10 walks in 48 innings, uh, 36 hits, obviously. He's the only starter who's got a whip under one. And yeah, you, you don't give up homers and uh, don't walk people and try to limit hits. And it works <laughs> no matter what you do, no matter what you throw. Um, that's a combination that works. And uh, and the number one thing is he's throwing strikes. Uh, he's throwing strikes and he's, he's keeping the ball mostly in the ballpark. He has given up six homers. He's a little more homer prone than maybe some of the other pitchers in the rotation. But again, if you don't walk guys, then, then they aren't damaging home runs. And it, it still floors me that uh, the Giants have given up... Um, what, five homers uh, that have been three-run shots and, and no grand slams. They just don't give up a lot of damage. And even when they've had bad luck on some batted balls, it usually is, it still requires a team to string together some hits to put up a crooked number against them. So, yeah, I think, you know, a lot of what this pitching staff has done, even when it hasn't looked pretty, has been, you know, what they planned for. And, and certainly, as you wrote, what they planned for worked against the Dodgers this past weekend. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. You are a veteran wizened writer, and you know not to react too much over one series. You know that baseball is funny and it can shift on a dime. As of last Thursday, if you, well, actually, as of Friday, we did a podcast and we kind of joked about the idea that the Giants could compete for the NL West. And then three games later, I'm starting to see, okay, maybe the NL West could be a possibility for this team. Have you, has, has that been your mindset as well? Because I kind of wrote off the NL West as of a few days ago. And now I'm thinking, okay, yeah, this could be possible. Is that only natural after three games? The crazy thing is we shouldn't even think that after what we saw last year. I mean, they, they kept proving people wrong all season. So you think, okay, well, I'm not going to take the Giants too lightly this year. But I'm with you. I thought, okay, this, this is not a team that's good enough to compete with the Dodgers and, and the Padres, um, for that matter. I still kind of feel that they're a little bit light, you know, but I don't know. I look at how they might improve themselves. And it's not obvious to me. It's not obvious to me where they would find an upgrade, what might be their biggest need. I mean, it, it seems like it's a catcher. It seems like it might be another right-handed hitter. But I don't know. I don't know who's going to be standing at the all-star break or, or at, at the uh, trade deadline at the end of, of July. So I do think this is a team that probably needs to be fortified in a few areas. 
But then you look at what they're doing on the run prevention side and what they're doing on the run score per game side, and yeah, the math adds up to this being a playoff team and and perhaps even a, a team that could hang in this division race. And 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 they certainly had the kind of weekend that thrust them back into the conversation. But uh, there's still so much baseball to go. You know, I, I think we're past the point where we're thinking, okay, once this team gets healthy, then look out. I mean, this team is not going to get healthy. <laughs> it's just not going to happen. <laughs> Someone else is going to get hurt. Someone else is going to, you know, have a uh, setback. And, and it's just, that's just the way that this team is designed to be. Um, that's just, that's the actuarial truth of, of, of this roster. But you know what? They are where they are. So, you know, maybe they can keep it up. But there's just so much baseball left to be played. You know, I know it is apples and grapefruits, but I thought the same thing about the Warriors when I just said, gosh, if only this team could be healthy. And then I I shook my head and I said, they're never going to be healthy. What are you talking about? It's a bunch of old timers. They're going to pull this. They're going to tweak that. They are fully healthy, or at least as fully healthy as they can be. And they've got a good shot to win the championship. I guess the main difference is that baseball has a few more players on the roster and you're trying to juggle more Katana blades in the Giants. I agree with you. It's it's going to be, if it's not Brandon Belt, well, then Lamont Wade has a tw- uh, twinge. And then you've got uh, Alex Cobb. He's never been a guy who's been a 200 inning pitcher. There's always going to be someone... But I do think that the Giants have once again proven that they have a knack of finding a Jacob Junis or finding a Luis Gonzalez. It's not always going to work. There's going to be Kevin Padlos and Stuart Fairchilds going in and out of the roster. But in general, this is a team that has answers. This is not a team that is giving you Brian Bocock on opening day. And that still has to be their number one organizational strength. Yeah, we're going to find out if Matt Boyd can win a Cy Young with 15 starts. I mean, you know, (laughs) maybe he will. Who knows? Um, You know, it's it's uh, it it does seem like they have some secret sauce. I mean, they figured a few things out. And, you know, I'm sure there are some things that they don't feel that great about, about how this team has played, especially on the defensive side. But uh, this is very much a stay the course kind of a team, stay the course kind of a coaching staff, and to a large degree, a stay-the-course kind of a roster. So they know that there's a lot of faith in the system and that the system works. And, you know, even on the last road trip, there were some grumbles from some of the starting pitchers about when Gabe Kapler took them out. You know, even Sunday, there was a, a, an animated discussion with you know Carlos Rodon. And I don't mean that to sound like they were yelling at each other, but clearly I think he wanted to stay in that game a little bit longer than the six innings that he got. And, and maybe at some point this season, uh, uh, he will be asked to throw, you know, more than 90 pitches to start an inning so but yeah he, he clearly I think there there was some I don't want to say discord but a little bit of disagreement when the team was going off the rails a little bit but even when they were going off the rails it was still a, a five and five road trip you know it was still a 500 month it wasn't a winning month but it was what 13 and 14 in May so you know even when they look like they're at their worst they're still kind of treading water okay and I think that's the sign of a pretty good team I don't think anyone would say that the Giants are a bad team I don't think anyone would say the Giants are not a contending team and they're going to have their challenges going forward. And I think they know that. But I think it's probably pretty encouraging that when we have seen them and not at their best, you know, they haven't fallen off a cliff. They haven't lost, uh, you know, 12 out of 13 or, or had an Angels type run that, that causes a managerial change. So that's probably something positive to reflect on. When you said Angels managerial change, I'm sorry, my brain went immediately to Joe Madden getting a mohawk. Did you see that story? Oh, no, I did not. Oh, is it Jock Peterson-like? <laughs> so Joe Madden, apparently, as a slump buster, decided to uh, shave his head into a mohawk haircut, and then he was fired. 
And that to me is one of the most brutal stories I've ever heard because I'm just because you can't feel good. And it's not like he says, well, screw this. I'm going to shade the Mohawk right away. There had to have been at least a little delay where he's exceptionally upset with how his career, everything he's he's done, everything he's worked toward while he has a Mohawk. And that makes it just a little extra bad. And I just can't get that story out of my head. I will sell my pocket watch to buy you a comb. <laughs> I will cut my hair to buy you a watch fob. Oh, oh Henry. Oh, oh. Henry. <laughs> and a oh, Merry my. Christmas. Oh, so that derailed me. I'm sorry. I don't want to make don't want to make this Joe Madden Chronicles, but I just that that popped in my head. Right, let's just go to I don't want to speak. Uh, I don't want to diminish what Austin Wins has done uh, because he is a 500 hitter. And uh, boy, that is likely to last. But when it comes to what the Giants need, you touched on it briefly. They, they probably would like a veteran catcher. I'm trying to think of a lot of examples where a team got that big name catcher in the middle of the season at the trade deadline and said, here's our guy, learn the pitching staff, do what we're doing, keep doing it well, and also you have to hit. I just can't think, I mean, like Benji Molina for the Rangers in 2010, I'm not thinking of a ton of examples. And I, I got to do some research and figure this out. It just seems like so much to ask for anyone, even if it's a veteran like Wilson Contreras. You're forgetting what the Giants did after they lost Buster Posey to the home plate collision in 2011, which is, oh gosh, nothing. They did nothing. Uh, they, got, they, they gave up Zach Wheeler for Carlos Beltran, which I still defend. I still think, you know, why not? Oh, yeah. they, had a, they had the chance to, to, to do something that hadn't been done since the Big Red Machine. And they were a good team, and they needed a boost, and they got the guy who was probably the best October performer of his generation. And, you know, he kind of didn't want to be there, and he... he hurt his hand and it didn't work out. Um, they didn't score enough runs to support a really, really good pitching staff that year, but they rode with Eli Whiteside and Chris Stewart. And that was probably a pretty big mistake. But to your point, it's tough to introduce a catcher from another organization and have them learn a staff on the fly. But you know what? They're asking Austin Wins to do it. And they're asking him to come up from, you know, the AAA, what, what are they? The Lehigh Valley Iron Pigs um, still? <laughs> I, maybe they changed their name to the, I don't know, the, the Blue Hens or something else. Trash Pandas. Uh, anyway, but yeah, they, they bring him in from another organization, from a AAA team in another organization. And they ask him to do that. So I feel like they could do that with a major league catcher too. But Wilson Contreras is, I think, not really known as a great catch and throw guy. I think his value would be with his bat. And like we've discussed, the Giants are still scoring five runs a game. So what they probably really want is a framer, a catch and throw guy, somebody who can, um, you know, really kind of turn the wheels back there and they were able to to you know do what they did with Joey Bart striking out you know 48 percent of the time and kind of basically being uh, an automatic out with two strikes more or less be a pitcher in the lineup I hate to say that but that's kind of what the effect was so you know maybe they don't need someone who's a huge offensive input uh, at catcher but I think they just need healthier bodies maybe Austin wins is the guy who can do it because whoever is on this roster uh, is going to play a lot. I mean, Kirk Casale's 33. He's got a bad hamstring. Uh, he's never started more than, you know, 80 some odd games in a season. So he's not a full-time, full-time capital F full-time catcher. And so they're, they're going to need someone to step up. And if it's not wins, it's going to have to be somebody else. You are actually uh, kind of doing spoilers for a column that I plan to write at some point over the next month. Very mad about that. But uh, I agree with you. I think it's you You got to just let the Mets and Yankees or whomever fight again, uh, uh, over Wilson Contreras. The Giants maybe should look at the dented cans in the catching market. What I mean by that is Jacob Stallings has a 526 OPS. He has been miserable compared to his career. 
I still think that's who the Giants need. I think the Giants need someone who is can lock down that part of the game, who can really just slide in and impress the pitchers. Uh, Sean Murphy might be another one. I think he's hitting better. And also the Marlins are winning now. And with 10 out of 16 teams making the postseason or whatever, 10 out of 15 National League teams making the postseason or whatever, I, I don't think the Marlins are necessarily itching to give up at Jacob Stallings. But that would be who the Giants need. And I've been impressed with Austin Wynn so far. So maybe he keeps impressing. I've been impressed with his defense, with his daring do, with his just overall presence behind the plate. He's he's kind of a dude. So maybe the Giants are going to roll with him for a month and see where he takes them. Yeah, I mean, possibly. And, and those those teams in the East are going to have to play each other event, eventually, right? I mean, the Braves have won 10 uh, in a row. The Phillies have won nine of their last 10. The Marlins have 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 won seven of their last 10. So, I mean, in theory, they have to play each other again. So <laughs> they won't all, they won't be able to uh, have these kinds of runs. But but you're right. Uh, the Marlins are playing better. They're, they're a couple games under 500. Uh, the Phillies are back to 500. The Braves are, are, are really cruising now. And, you know, I, I think to your point, Austin wins has, has fit in pretty well uh, for someone who's coming from a new organization. And he's even kind of... Uh, uh, shown some personality. You know, he, he had a bad one happen to him when he got clipped uh, by uh, Trey Turner's backswing in the back of his helmet. And Dave Greshner comes out and um, Gabe Kapler com- comes out and they, they check on him. They make sure he's okay. They ask him all the protocol questions. And he made them laugh. He made them both laugh. And I, I said, what is it in that kind of scary moment you can say <laughs> that's going to make them laugh? And he said, he said, well, I'm pissed because I would have thrown out the runner at second base if that hadn't happened. <laughs> So, because he was coming out of his crouch on the ball in the dirt because Freddie Freeman had taken off. So, so that, that made him laugh. And he definitely is somebody who's got, I think, kind of a, a little bit of a sarcastic sense of humor that he's not afraid to show to a whole bunch of people that he's meeting for the first time. So, uh, so yeah, I think they've, they've got a great first impression of him and, and, and we'll see what he can do with this opportunity. It's a great opportunity for him. I was noticing that exact exchange as well, just because it did seem in afterwards, he, he kind of gave like a, a, I don't know what do you call it, a chest thump, a, like a, a fist to Dave Gressner's chest is like, I'm okay. And kind of just gave him like a, a, a nice love tap to the chest. And I said, gosh, that's that doesn't feel like a, a guy who's been on the team for five days. That feels like a, a supremely confident individual. And when he gets back in the crouch, he can read his lips and Turner must have said something. And he goes, nah, it happens. And he shakes it off. And I just, I don't know, it, it's it's a small sample size of, of anecdotal evidence, but I I came away from that game and just all the games in general as he doesn't seem like he's cowed by the moment. He doesn't seem like he's wide eyed and wow, I'm in the majors again and I better make this last. It's more just a a head down and let's do like it's a catcher's kind of personality, the platonic idea, uh, ideal of a catcher, just uh, no nonsense. Let's let's get it done. And I don't know, feels like he has it. So another month trial doesn't seem like the worst thing in the world before the deadline. Yeah, and I think the Giants had a good sense for that, too, because, you know, Mike Yastrzemski played with him in the minors. And it is amazing. Everybody knows Mike Yastrzemski from the minor leagues. Oh, who do you know on this team? <laughs> well, I know Mike Yastrzemski. It's like, okay, great. Yeah, everyone knows Mike Yastrzemski. But he played in the Orioles system, so he played with Yastrzemski for quite a while. And uh, just, uh, Justin Veely, Dodgers uh, hitting coach, was uh, a minor league teammate as well. And uh, I think there are a few other people who might have some kind of uh, background with him. And, and, and they all gave him rave reviews to the Giants front office. They really gave a nice character. Uh, assessment and so they felt pretty confident they were getting a guy who would fit in really well and yeah when I when I went up to ask him I said um, you know uh, I asked him how how he was feeling and he said well yeah he did get me pretty good and I said well what did Turner say to you and he said man I got you pretty good <laughs> <laughs> 
And that's what he said. He said, you know what? It happens. I, I no no ill will, no intent. It's something that happens. And and uh, let's go. Let, let's let's uh, let's let's roll it out. Let's keep playing. That kind of leads into a fascinating sidebar, and we don't have to get too much into it because we're almost out of time. But when the Giants are making all of these manic roster moves and they're getting a Kevin Padlow and a Donovan Walton, how much recon are they doing within the organization with their own players to say, hey, you know this guy? Hey, what do you think about this guy? Hey, have you played with this guy? Hey, what's the what's the idea with this guy? Or what's the deal with this guy? Do they do that with before all of these moves? Some of these moves, half of these moves? Like, do you have a sense of how often they're they're polling their own players? Oh, I think they do it all the time. That's intel. That's that's valuable intelligence. And and I don't think they leave any of that unearthed. I think they use everything at their disposal to try to make good decisions. And that absolutely includes the players. And, you know, it has the secondary effect of, of making those players feel like they're being valued, that, that their opinion matters and and that um, they're going to be listened to. I don't think that's the reason they do it. I think the reason they do it is to make really informed decisions. And uh, and clearly there have been some that they've made that with the counsel of, of um, you know, some of their players and, and they've paid off. And you could even point to Kurt Casale, one of Mike Yastrzemski's best friends in the game, his college teammate. And uh, they signed him, and, and Yastrzemski was all for it, and uh, obviously, and, and maybe even lobbied for it, and, and that's turned out to be a great move. He's been a really good giant. So, yeah, I think that's that's a pretty core part of what they do. That is fascinating to me. Uh, this has been episode 192 of the Bags and Brisbee podcast. We'll be back on Thursday, day off on Thursday for the Giants, which means that we should be back on our normal schedule. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, is there going to be a little bit of a letdown with the Royals coming in or are the Giants flying high? How are you reading these tea leaves? What are they going to do, Andy? How is this series going to go? Predict it. I don't know. I know. Yeah, I don't know either. Well, there's no um, narratives. I, I, think, I think it's... It's a long season, and uh, and we just need to be entertained by it. Not try to figure it out in advance. Just enjoy the baseball. That is the only smart way to do it. All right, this has been episode one ninety two. We will see you on Thursday. Thanks for much. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you then.